Hi, I'm John Farmer, and this is a special midweek episode of Georgian Bay Roots. It features my entire interview with Scott Cook, who is a singer-songwriter born in the States who makes his home in Alberta now when he's not traveling across the continent and beyond, making music and sharing music and considering the finer things in life. Scott played at a house show up on Campbell Mountain in at the beginning of September, on September 4th, and he was kind enough to have a conversation with me sitting in the sometimes rain on the porch outside of the house when he'd sold all the merch he was going to sell and all the other audience members had gone home. You'll hear some of the background noise of the forest beside the house and the rain at different points, and I'm going to splice in a few different songs as they come up in our conversation. Before you hear that conversation, though, I want to give you a taste of one of the finest songs that I think Scott has ever written, and it's called Pass It Along. Enjoy, and you'll catch the rest of our conversation when this song wraps up. This guitar came from a timber From the body of a tree Through the workshop of a luthier Now it's on loan to me And it's good company after dinner And it fits my hands just fine But someday another singer With a pair of hands like mine Will coax out songs much prettier Still hiding in its strings Sing stronger, braver words than I could ever sing And folks are gonna love it Of this I'm almost sure So I take good care of it Cause I'm borrowing it from her Pass it along Pass it along May it land in careful hands when we're gone Carry it for a moment Time won't loan it to you for long You don't own it Pass it along This here is my country Sometimes it's hard to recognize it But I count myself lucky To have been born inside it And I'm grateful for the rights Others struggle hard to win And you can be sure I'm gonna fight they try and take them back again Oh, and everywhere teachers Though some fell along the way And the words they said still reach us Just like you're teaching me here today And you may not speak it loud But it's clear in what you do And I hope to make you proud Cause I borrowed it from you Pass it along Pass it along May it land in careful hands when we're gone. You carry it for a moment, but time won't loan it to you for long. You don't own it, pass it along.
Seems these days we're in a hurry to grab up all that's left to use. Putting patents on discovery, making seeds that don't reproduce. If our vision is so narrow, seeing only bought and sold, we'll end up like the pharaohs, buried with their gold. We've all pushed this thing along. We've all been guided by our fear, but the river sings a song. We've gotta be quieter to hear. It's in every child's face, new and hopeful as a stem. Best be gentle with this place, 'cause we're borrowing it from them. Pass it along, pass it along. Made land and careful hands when we're gone. Carried for a moment, time won't loan it to you for long. You don't own it. Pass it along. Pass it along. Pass it along. May it land in careful hands when we're gone. Carried for a moment, time won't loan it to you for long. Don't own it. Pass it along. Hey, this is Scott Cook, and you're listening to Georgian Bay Roots. Scott, welcome back to Grey Bruce. Uh, you're traveling, playing music again, which is a novel thing coming into 2021 <laughs> here. How does it feel to be back on the road? It feels pretty surreal, actually. Um, yeah, I'm about two weeks in now, I guess. Um, yeah, and I hadn't been in the van touring by myself since uh, since March of 2020, when I was in Austin, Texas, when uh, when it all hit the fan. Followed by a, a straight drive back home to Alberta. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. About four days getting home. And then I've just been uh, been there ever since, for the most part. Um, I moved into a house after after like 13 years of living in the van. I moved into a house in Edmonton uh, at the beginning of February of 2020. So it turned out to be perfect timing um, to actually have a home to flee back to, and um, and it's been great, like staying in one place and. Uh, Watching the seasons turn, and uh, you know, having time to to dive into other things and have some kind of daily routine other than other than driving and sound checking and playing. Yeah. I imagine that that's a very different experience of community, especially for a musician who's used to being up on stage and playing songs and trading songs and running into friends and and fellow musicians at festivals and. In places all over, you were in one spot. What was it like to to maintain those musical connections without moving around the continent? Mm. Yeah, it's interesting. There's a lot of people I miss. Um, you know, there's a lot of. I guess I, I imagine it's been the same way for everyone during this time. It's like you got to be deliberate about making contact with people. You know, you're not just going to run into them. You got to like actually reach out uh, to people, you know? So, um, 
so there's there's those folks that I that I have reached out or that reached out to me, and there's a whole bunch of folks that I just haven't run into and I haven't I haven't heard from in a while, you know. So I, I miss a lot of folks, and that was so much of my my family was that, you know, and especially at festival time where we all kind of circle up and um, yeah, I miss that. But um, but we did do we we did start doing online things pretty early on actually. Some people were asking us to sing online, and so we did a couple things, and then we moved. Uh, I happened to have the good fortune of being uh, in lockdown with two other musicians, my sweetheart Pamela and her housemate Elliot. Elliot plays everything, and everything with strings pretty much. And Pamela has just been really diving into learning the upright bass during during the pandemic, and. Um, so yeah, so we we started like doing a monthly show on on the internet and uh, and it was great because it, it it did gather folks and they would you know once we kind of got there was a pretty steep learning curve with the tech but once we got that sorted out um, better there was ways that they could interact with us and you know and comment and they we'd see them interacting with one another and. Um, a lot of people tuning in month after month, especially like a lot of folks from Australia and New Zealand that we wouldn't have otherwise been seeing. Um, I don't know when I'll be back there, you know? So being able to maintain that, that connection was really, really felt, felt really satisfying. And uh, yeah, I imagine, I imagine in the new year, Pamela and I are gonna move into the van, we're hoping, and, and go to the States. And I imagine we'll start doing a show again uh in the new year from from the road because it's cool it's you know it's it it's anything that that makes people feel like they're not alone is 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 worth doing and in the way that you were doing those shows too that you i was really impressed i caught a couple of them and you were bringing in other musicians from other places to share songs and even interviewing neighbors and community members that that was really impressive like it wasn't just it wasn't just you sharing your songs it was it was showing some of your network there and and, and starting some other conversations yeah yeah thanks for tuning in um yeah i mean i know so many great musicians and uh yeah it was good to feature them you know other artists also featured me on their shows and it was so cool to see stuff happen out of that like i did a thing with Corin Raymond and Jonathan Bird, a Zoom show through Home Roots, and found a whole bunch of new fans in North Carolina, you know, just from doing that. Um, did a thing with David Wilcox. He's also in North Carolina. And um, it was really amazing to just, like, be introduced to a whole bunch of other people, you know, that I wouldn't otherwise got to sing for. And, um, yeah, and then with our neighbors, we just, we live in a really special place. We're in a housing co-op in, in Riverdale in Edmonton. And Riverdale's a special place, and there's a lot of really inspiring people there. And I just thought it'd be cool to highlight some of the, their stories and just, like, have chats with these people. Um, yeah, because there's so much, I don't know, there's so much, there's so much negativity on, in, in, in the media in general, you know. And, uh, yeah, I feel like there's a, I want to hear stories about people who are doing cool stuff. So... It, you know, being as they're all around, may as well try and tell them. A few minutes ago, you said that anything that makes people feel less alone is is kind of a good thing there to, mm. I'm sure, misquote you in the few minutes that have gone by. 
but that that made me think of a few of your songs that are really especially especially on the latest album um a song like say can you see that is that is highlighting the divide that is so present in our media and kind of community conversations and and saying actually we're like we're together on a lot of this stuff um has that is that a thread that's always been running through your music or is that a thread that you came to at some point along this journey uh i guess it's always been a thread in there um i haven't thought of that but yeah now that you ask it like even on my first record there's a song called my grandma that's all about that um same thing yeah yeah and that thread's been running through i think it's 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 i mean it's informed by my travels because i had a lot of random conversations with a lot of random people in a lot of random places you know and uh and especially in the early days i was playing in bars a lot and you know traveling around the united states and also around europe and um elsewhere in the world just meeting people and 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 being struck again and again by how much we have in common and and how most people are fundamentally decent good people and want the same things you know everybody wants to take care of their family everybody wants to love and be loved everybody wants to you know almost everybody loves their place and wants to take care of it um and yeah you know i feel like the the differences between us not to say that they're not real they are real but they have been exploited uh to great effect by people who who uh benefit from from keeping us separate um and you know when it comes to politically i think you know there's a lot of things that that almost everybody agrees on um, and enjoy broad popular support. Here in Canada, for example, electoral reform was a huge thing that everybody seemed like, you know, a vast majority of Canadians support, and we still can't get it for whatever reason, you know. Um, in the United States, uh, public health care, you know, is a thing that the vast majority of Americans have supported, you know vast majority of people don't want to go invade other countries um the vast majority of people have have a, you know would like to see big money out of politics you know there's so many things i think that that everybody wants or most everybody wants that we don't get uh and you know for whatever reason the the the, the sides the the political sides you know will um uh focus on more divisive issues i guess you know i mean in this in this next election <laughs> i think i think there's broad support for making uh the rich pay their fair share you know and, uh, seeing people who've like profited hugely during this pandemic actually uh give a little back uh, i think there's broad popular support for that i don't think we'll get it but um anyway that's I mean that's a whole nother thing, but it but it comes out of that same thing that I just feel like there's more people have more in common than than, than divides them, and uh, if there's any way I can remind people of that with songs, then I think it's it's worth doing. I love this country. I love the people and the land. 
But there's a lot of stuff happening that I can't understand. We got billions for bailouts. We got trillions for wars. But it's hard for working people to make a living anymore. Hear me out for a second. This ain't a partisan song. It ain't about right and left. It's about right and wrong. We're fighting over the scraps while a few are living like kings. Cause screwing us over's a bipartisan thing. And it's working people who made this country great. Not the greedy opportunists or the peddlers of hate. And if a new day's coming, it's gotta come from you and me Oh, say can you see See, I got a neighbor We don't always agree He's a bit of a redneck According to a hippie like me But if you're in the ditch He'll pull you out, I know he will and that's more than I can say for all those dickheads on the hill. He works hard for his family. He's got loyalty and pride. The company took all he gave and then cast him aside. Cause there's profit in poverty. Hell, there's profit in prisons. And they don't even pay taxes. They just buy politicians, but it's working people who made this country great. Not the greedy opportunists or the peddlers of hate. And if a new day's coming, it's gotta come from you and me. There's a lady with a flame Still calling in the huddled masses In liberty's name But there's fear on the airwaves And hatred wrapped in the flag Turning strangers into enemies And our riches into rags And a revolution To break the grip of greed Don't need a strong man or see but I believe we're gonna need whatever magic this old world's got left to start. And all the ammunition in the chambers of our hearts is working people who made this country great. Not the greedy opportunists or the peddlers of hate. And if a new day's coming, it's gotta come from you and me Oh, say can you see Oh, say can you see Is there something about songs that make them a particularly good tool to that end? 
Yeah, I think songs can kind of get under your defenses in a way. And, uh, and yeah, if songs touch your heart, I mean, people's hearts are touched in the same way, right? And, um, yeah, I'm still, it's still a mystery to me. Like, writing songs that touch people is still something that I don't understand and, and, and make attempts at and am surprised by when it happens and, um, yeah, it's still it's still something. I don't know if I'll ever get tired of trying to figure that out because I sure don't. I, I don't really grasp it. But and there are a bunch of your songs that have found those legs. I think about uh, hearing Corin Raymond talk about the um, kind of when a song reaches that that like ultimate level and rings the bell and it travels on without you. Mm. Um, I think about that video of Pass It Along that went around. Mm. I think it was 2020. I've lost track of years here where all uh, musicians from all across Canada combined to to make a video and, and sing that song. Uh, Say Can You See is like gotten a lot of airplay and, and moved around a lot. Yeah, it's pretty special when people when other people sing sing one. Uh, and yeah, Pass It Along has, has gone lots of places without me. That's pretty, that's pretty special. A song called The Lord Giveth and the Landlord Taketh Away has also kind of gone out into the world to do its own thing. And uh, that's pretty cool, yeah. And yeah, like I said, I don't know, I don't, if I knew how to do that, I'd do it every day, <laughs> you know? Yep. But uh, sometimes you stumble on something and it, yeah, and it resonates with other people and, and they want to make it their own and... Uh, yeah, that's. I think Corin said that's like when a, when a song goes to heaven, right? <laughs> You've, on a couple of your recordings, taken like covered songs by other people, um, and also taken old traditional or spiritual songs and kind of given them a new twist. I'm thinking about passing through. I'm thinking about. Um, oh man, that the, uh, walk that lonesome valley. Thank you. Yeah, that's exactly the one I was thinking of. Um, what is it in a song like like either of those that that grabs you and says like it's time to put Scott Cook's thumbprint on this and and amplify it out? Hmm. Oh, those songs are just such good songs. Like they're such singable songs, which is why they've persisted, right? And uh, um, as far as what makes me want to write new things for, it's just because I'm unsatisfied with what's there. You know, like maybe it worked for a time or whatever, but you know, in passing through uh, the, the the verse about Roosevelt, you know, in it it was like Yankee, Russian, uh, black or tan, a man is still a man. You know, something like that today is just like I don't really want to sing that. You know, so I'm going to change it. You know, um, and I, I change it to. Uh, uh, all creeds and colors, everyone's a father's daughter, a mother's son, you know, just make it something more relatable in for today, you know, and also just kind of take, I mean, with those spirituals, both those songs, they're really drawn on the biblical characters, and, and I felt like they could use updating with, like, modern historical characters, you know, in Walk That Lonesome Valley, like uh, Chelsea Manning and Daniel Berrigan and uh, Sojourner Truth, you know, she's she's earlier, but just inspiring stories that don't get told enough. 
Um, I think if you can kind of bring them to light and make people curious about them, you know, Victor Hara in, in passing through, I, I put in a verse for him cause I mean, I first heard of Victor Hara from other people singing about him and it was like, who's that, you know? And then kind of got, got in, got deeper into the story, got deeper into the story of the coup with Allende and Pinochet, uh, and, and all the kind of cultural, revolution that was if i say cultural revolution it sounds like the chinese thing but uh i don't i, I mean like actual like the cultural role, revolution the way that the that arts happening. played in in yeah. that movement and the spreading of those thoughts and the amplifying of those messages yeah there was like a real amazing heyday of of, of art and socialism uh, in chile uh that was that was brought to an abrupt end by that coup uh and that coup was sponsored by all the major world powers, you know, and supported by them. So, you know, a story like that and a story about somebody like Victor Hara, a total martyr for the cause, um, is a, a story that, that deserves to be told over and over, you know, and just find new ways to tell it, uh, to tell those kinds of things, I think is, uh, is, you know, I've been inspired by those kinds of things, so I hope they could be inspiring for other people. Passing through, passing through, sometimes happy, sometimes blue, glad that I ran into you, tell the people that you saw me passing through. I saw Adam leave the garden with an apple in his hand, said and pray for rain maybe raise a little cane I'm an orphan and I'm only passing through passing through passing through sometimes happy sometimes blue glad that I ran into you tell the people Christ on his cross on a hill called Calvary. Do you hate mankind for what they done to you? He said, speak of love, not of hate. So much to do and it's getting late. I've so little time and I'm only passing through. Passing through heart all creeds and colors everyone's a father's daughter a mother's son we're all on one road and we're only passing through passing through 
sometimes blue Glad that I ran into you Tell the people that you saw me passing through You talk about the the way that there are so often kind of biblical messages that uh, 2,000 years later can use some updating. There are also a, a few of your songs that, that use the kind of Christian mess, messianic metaphor, um, mm. and and they're so relevant, right, in, in the way that you've crafted a song like If He Showed Up Now. Mm. Um, are where... Where does that come from for you? Is, the, is that, does that come from the popular dialogue? Does that come from your own kind of personal wrestling with those ideas and those traditions? Um, how, does, how do those ideas work their way into your, into your songs and creative output? Yeah, I had an uh, evangelical Christian upbringing. Uh, my dad was a pastor. I, um, I grew up in the church and I was, I was you know, I, I believed that Jesus was coming back soon. Uh, and uh, a lot of people believe that. Um, a lot of people uh, may be less concerned about uh, saving the world if they think they have, there's another one coming, you know, a new one. <laughs> um, if they think that this world being destroyed is part of the plan. Um, so, yeah, I feel like, you know, for me personally, I kind of got out from under all that way of thinking uh, in my uh, when I was like 23, 24, after uh, finishing a philosophy degree. Um, but yeah, I think there's 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 real danger in a lot of those ideas, and there's a real danger in like tying your moral code to a book that was written, you know, thousands of years ago. Um, in a society unlike our own, um, but there's also there's also real there's a lot of good in those uh, in those traditions that's that's worth speaking to and trying to draw out and that's what I was doing with if he showed up now it's just trying to recast this character Jesus in 
today, you know, and like he's on, he's the one on the side of of the sinners, right? He's the one on the side of the refugees. He's he he's in the corner with the with the homeless and the prostitutes, right? Uh, so why is it that nowadays, you know, so many people who call him their Lord and Savior are against these people, you know, the people that he was hanging out with and trying to help. Um, so yeah, I feel like there's 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 great stuff in those traditions that you can point to and that you can draw out. And it's like it's a similar thing with say can you see? I think there's you know, as much as there's problems, there's plenty of problems with the history of our our country and and America and there's plenty to be uh, ashamed of. There's plenty to try and rework, but there's also like there's also good in there to speak to and and you know, I, I found with people, it's like when you speak to the good in people, that's what's gonna bring something good out of them. You know, if you if you focus on 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 the bad stuff, it's like that's what's gonna bring it out of them. You know, so yeah. Nothing, nothing makes per, uh, someone into a jerk like telling them that they're a jerk. Totally, exactly, right. And when you know, it's just like the honor system when people are like, "Yeah, we trust you to do the right thing," and people are like, "Oh yeah, yeah, maybe I should do the right thing." where it's like, oh, we're watching you. It's like, okay, how can I evade detection? If he showed up now, you wouldn't know what to do. He'd be flat broke as usual, filthy too. And the worst thing about it, when he comes to town, is the kind of people that he brings around. But all of your life you have called him your friend and promise you stick by him right to the end. So you'd say, do us the honor, have something to eat. Where were you when I was living on the street? If he showed up now, there'd be trouble, I bet. He'd be talking revolution. Or did you forget when you told him you'd follow him? He said, if you were anything like me, they'd kill you too. He'd say, I've been calling you, haven't you heard? I live by your name and I'd die for your word. And I'd fight to defend it in every detail. Say, where were you when I was in jail?
showed up now, would you recognize him? If he came as a pauper, when you expected a king, or as an illegal scrounging for bills, or a defenseless child in the Syrian hills, you'd say I've been fighting your cause all along. I studied your pages and sang out your songs, and it was in your name that I closed every prayer. He'd say, where were you when I was sick and couldn't get care? He'd say, if I'd known it was you, I'd have come. I fought for your honor and all that I've done. It was under your banner in the name of the sun. And he'd say, where were you for the weakest ones? There's a, especially in the folk tradition, there's a, there's such a history of, and maybe in the North American folk tradition of trying to pull out those threads of, of using music to bring people together and create resonance around goodness and justice and support for the working class. And I know that some of your songs shout out to Woody Guthrie, especially, and, and that tradition. Where do you see that spirit of folk alive in 2021? Uh, you know, I feel like Woody in particular is like, he's kind of a forebear for a lot of us working today. It's, you know, it's gone in different directions, of course, but a few years back I was at Folk Alliance in... Uh, Kansas City and Billy Bragg was there speaking and Billy Bragg someone who's very squarely in that tradition from from Woody you know but he was talking about Woody's work he was calling folk singing Woody's work and I think that resonated with everybody there you know I think I think that's I think so many people who are working in this tradition that's that's who they're looking back to I mean, it's not just to say Woody, you know, Hazel Dickens. There's so many great artists who are doing that sort of thing, you know. But um, if we can sort of put a figurehead on it, Woody is, he looms pretty large, you know. Um, and, yeah, I mean, I, I, nowadays, like, I don't know, a writer who comes to mind just off the top of my head, Rachel Kilgore, um, She's she's in Minnesota these days, I think. Um, she writes really powerful songs that are deeply personal, but but get at like bigger, bigger kind of social stuff. Um, May Erlewine in Michigan also great, totally doing Woody's work like fully, um, and yeah, writing songs as from the viewpoint of a mother and a Michigander and somebody who cares about her place. And uh, 
Um, Carsey Blanton uh, is blowing my mind lately. Really kind of anti-fascist bubblegum, you know, pop songs that are fun and have a lot of fight in them. And uh, her new record's called Love and Rage. Um, yeah, I mean, I got a friend in Edmonton, Dana Wiley, who's just blowing my mind lately. She's got a new record called How Much Muscle that's, that's really going deep on a, on, a, on a lot of things about taking care of the earth and motherhood. And um, yeah, I mean, I feel like there's so many people who aren't really well known but who are uh but who are who are really got the vital carrying the vital force of that right now more than ever really you know speaking of taking care of the earth uh you're on tour right now and there's a a real movement around no music on a dead planet and recognizing mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. as much as music is something that brings joy and and helps to make life worth living for so many people the act of making music in the way that it it has certainly been done at, at high levels is something that creates a lot of greenhouse gas emissions. Mm -hmm. And I know that that's something you've been conscious of. Mm -hmm. How do you wrestle with that as someone who gets to make a living and do Woody's work by also traveling, traveling around an awful lot? Yeah, wrestle's the right word. I'm, I'm, I'm still wrestling with that. Um, uh, it's those thoughts are something that I tried to put out of my mind for a long time and successfully put out of my mind for a long time because I just didn't want to think about it. Um, and I was kind of drunk on the rush and uh, of, of traveling and seeing new things all the time. And, you know, just I was out for kicks in so many ways. And uh, I got sick in uh 2017 late 2017 from partying too hard i had pancreatitis um and i was hospitalized and uh and that was a pretty abrupt turning point in my life but i i got to look at i got to looking at my own sort of that insatiability that sort of like thirst for always more and faster and uh and and and, and novelty and all that uh um, and, and kind of started to, yeah, started to see the parallels in that, in the way that, that our culture is sick in the same way that I was sick. Um, and that's really what started slowing me down. And that's what started make, forcing me to kind of confront some of the, some of the broader consequences of, of what I'm doing. So, uh, uh, Shortly thereafter, I, I decided to make my tours carbon neutral by paying it back in in terms of just like, you know, offsets. So it's basically supporting projects in the developing world that are reducing atmospheric carbon in proportion to the amount that I was touring. Recently, I decided this last summer, I decided to go on and double that um, so that my tours will be carbon negative. But... You know, this is a super complicated issue, um, and you know, I think the the idea of people in in the rich world uh, paying for privileges uh, by supporting things in the developing world has its own set of problems. You know, it's tangled up with privilege, um, 
it's super complicated. I think about it a lot. But um, but the biggest thing for me now is just to tour slower, and because you know I think so much of the the idea of like okay you've got a I've got a new record and I need to like do this coast to coast tour to release this thing and go to all the big places or whatever like so much of that is just is we've just had it handed down to us from the record industry which isn't even a thing anymore hardly right and why are we trying to emulate that you know and in the you know i i got sick of burning through so many beautiful places and and you know stopping briefly in so many amazing communities and so i just want to go slower and and connect in more places and i mean the pandemic really brought that home for me in edmonton we just played neighborhoods like last summer we just played neighborhoods there's there's a million people in my city maybe a thousand of them know my name you know it's not like i need to go far to sing songs for new people right so so yeah, my my goal is just to just to slow it down. And lately, I decided that uh, I want to tour half as much. I want to I want to emit half as much CO two, half as much or less as I did in my last full year of touring. And I tallied that all up with the flights and everything, and the flights of other people that I was responsible for, because that matters too. If I take a band to yeah. Australia, that's different than if I go to Australia and play with a band over there, right? Turns out they also have musicians in Australia. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I just tallied all that up, and this year, I'm going to be under that. I'm going to be well under half uh, of that. And, you know, we're going on some big runs. Like, my, my sweetheart and I are planning to go down to Texas and up the West Coast, um, but we're going to take five months to do that, you know? Not like... In the old days when I would just go and play one gig in a state and then drive eight hours to the next gig or whatever. Uh, it's just crazy, right? Um, and in, in lots of ways, I mean, the idea of putting a price on carbon, that's what it's about, right? It's, it, it, you know, the, the federal carbon tax is such a small amount, really, and people complain about it all the time. But the idea of putting, like, an actual, like, the 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 legit cost of carbon, like what carbon actually costs, mm-hmm. you know, if, if we can't externalize these costs of our business, um, it will make us make different business decisions. And that's just one lens that, that I didn't used to have on my tour planning. You know, I was not thinking about that. I was thinking, can I afford it? Okay, I'll do it. You know, sometimes I wasn't even thinking that, but um, especially in the beginning, <laughs> I wasn't thinking that at all, but cause I knew I couldn't afford it, but I just wanted to do it. But yeah, nowadays I'm like, not only can I afford it, but like, does it make sense? Is it like, is it like, if it feels wasteful, if it feels like extravagant, then like, don't do it, you know? And that sort of sobriety, uh, you know, in, in, in decision-making, uh, is something that I really, tried to avoid for a long time and just tried to avoid sobriety in general for a long time. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it feels different now. And yeah, I've been talking about it lately, um, with other musicians and also in my, in my travel logs and stuff, just cause I feel like I'm glad that the spell's broken for me. And I hope that more talking about it will help kind of break the spell and just, 
just open up this conversation because like everything we're doing, whatever our business is, you know, we got to think about how can we do this in a way that's more sustainable and, and makes more sense and is like, and kind of pays for the mess, pays to clean up the, the mess that it creates, you know. As you talk about that, it, it strikes me that new perspectives make new things possible, that if you don't see it, then you're never going to think about it. Mm. Mm. I'm, it also strikes me that these are some things that you've written about, uh, especially in the most your most recent release, Tangle of Souls, which in, I believe the term is coffee table CD. Um, <laughs> and there are hundreds of pages there where not only do you present the lyrics and and some great artwork, but you also explore some of these ideas in, in more long form kind of essays. Mm. And it's a, it's a remarkable thing. It really deepens the relationship to the collection of songs and, and opens up again, other perspectives. How has it been for you transitioning to also releasing books alongside CDs? Hmm. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's interesting. It, I mean, in in a lot of ways, it was with the last one, further down the line. That's kind of what what solidified that for me, because I just found that people people were really interested in it. You know, I'd show it to people on stage, and they would come to the merch table to look at it. You know, and in a time when people were saying no one's buying CDs anymore, those were selling. You know, and. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't imagine they're going to have a CD in the back of them, you know, five years from now. I mean, it's less and less people have, have CD players, you know. Um, but people still want to take something home at the end of the night. And, uh, and I feel, for me, it's like being able to package music with a book and talk about some things that you can't talk about in songs, you know. You don't really want to get into the weeds in the songs. Um, talking about carbon offsets or whatever. It's like, I don't know that it's material for a song, right? But um, being able to talk about some of that stuff and get that into people's hands is, is pretty exciting for me. I wanted to be a writer of books long before I wanted to be a touring songwriter. So um, I guess it's a roundabout way of getting to do something that I always wanted to do. Have you been surprised by the response? Uh, well, this one, I haven't been able to get it out in the world enough yet, you know. But, but it was, there was a real nice response um, online um, with orders, including you. Thanks for that. Um, yeah, like a lot of people from around the world uh, ordered it, and I, and I got it out there. I handled about a 1,000 packages myself i think i'm at 950 now or something um and some of those were bicycle deliveries in edmonton um and 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 environs and in calgary around calgary i did a ton of deliveries myself you know to the mailbox and caught some people at home and stuff um and it's been really cool yeah a lot of people write me that they're thinking about you know some of the same things, you know, a lot of, you know, they've had the similar things on their mind or whatever. And it's like, I feel like during this time, especially when everybody was holed up in their houses, it was like, yeah, it was, it was, it was isolating time. And it's like nice to know that people are thinking about similar things, you know, 
but um but yeah now i'm just really excited to actually be out in the world and have a chance to hand it to more people in person because uh yeah because because cds sell a lot faster when uh when there's a show especially without a record industry to uh, push them out into every music world between here and St. John's. Yeah, right? Like at HMV and <laughs> Sam the Record Man or whatever. Yeah, being as there's not that stuff. Yeah, it's really, it's, it shows where it happens. And yeah, and I think a lot of people, you know, a lot of people want to take something home in the way that they just want to support you. They want to, you know, they're glad you're out there and they just want you to keep doing it. So, um and yeah, I'm 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 glad to put a book on those people's bookshelves. Um, I had a lot of self doubt during the process of making that album, making the book, and wondering why I think these ideas are worthy of putting down and and printing uh, thousands of copies of. Um, but yeah, you know, the the thing I guess that really resolved me was just thinking of how much um how much just total obfuscation there is in written form, how much like how much you know, how how much there is written out there that's just confuses people or or brings out the worst in people or you know, there's, there's, there's just, there's a mountain of bullshit. I've been trying to avoid this word because this is a radio thing. <laughs> you know, so it really can't hurt to like put out some good sense and something, something hopefully positive and inspiring. Um, you know, there's, there's always going to be more words, but why not just, just add a little weight to the, to the humanizing end of the scale, you know. Well, and spoken like a true philosophy major. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like I said, I wanted to write books, yeah, long before I wanted to, to be Woody Guthrie. <laughs> that, there are a few themes that I hear in that, and one of the real strong ones is the importance of connection. And, mm. and we, we've talked about the connection through music and some of the magic that comes with that, but there's also, like you just said, when you're creating art that resonates with people, they want to support you to make more art. Mm. And as we've also talked about the record industry being a big old question mark at this point, things like Patreon have come up instead. Mm. And I know that's something that you've jumped on with. Mm. Um, and jumped on is maybe a trivial way of saying, like, is something that you're, you're working with and, and mm. working on. Can you tell us about Patreon and what, what led you to explore that as an, an option, too, for a working musician? Yeah, I saw a lot of people doing it. I wondered if that was, you know, something I wanted to get involved in. And then, uh, yeah, I just hit on the idea of, like, committing to r record and write and record and release a song a month. I got some audio gear during the pandemic to do our internet shows and, you know, realized I could I could record at home. And, uh, and basically just figured it would be a good, a good commitment, you know, uh, in terms of, like, a creative commitment like you can have one with a friend uh if you're like okay we're you know i'm gonna work on a, a song a week or whatever or i'm gonna you know i'm gonna try and write for an hour a day or whatever you know that kind of thing um yeah i just figured this is like something i can do where 
people who want to support me on an ongoing basis can can do that and I can in turn I can do what it is that they want me to do because they want me to write more songs you know they don't necessarily want me to send out more emails or do more social media posts or whatever I mean all that's incidental you know to 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 this other work to the main work which is writing songs and so if that can help keep me focused on that then then it's good and uh so far it's been it's been super helpful and it's kept me writing so uh i've written more yeah i've written more these what's it been now five months i guess since i started up the patreon than uh than usual i mean i usually write i usually maybe finish like four songs a year so um so i've already finished you know five in the first five months so um so yeah i'm gonna keep going with that it's been it's been it's been a good thing and i've i've seen a lot of my comrades doing the same and it's 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 pretty cool and i it's not that different than i guess showing up in a town with a new record where people want you to write new songs but with patreon you can write a song a month and share it with them right then, and they don't have to wait for the next two-year album cycle or four years yeah. between discs and things like that to hear your new material. Yeah, yeah. Some of those songs I might re-record and put on an album, you know. Some of them as well, I think, like, I don't know if they'll all end up on, on a record. You know, some of them are limited shelf life sort of things. Like, you know, I wrote this song about touring in the pandemic that's like, I probably don't want to put it on a record in two years, you know, but it's, it's, it's cool to release for right now, you know, but, um, yeah, everybody's doing different things on their Patreon and that's, that's been cool to see. Some people use it to, maybe they want to produce a podcast or whatever. Um, Corin Raymond's Patreon has been great. Like he's, he's mostly talking about books that he's reading, you know, and people are talking about the books that they're reading and it's just become this little community. It's quite, his is quite, I'm a patron of him. And it's quite like, it's quite active. The conversation in there is really is really engaging and fun. And it's like, in a way, it kind of the paywall sort of keeps the riffraff out, <laughs> in the sense that you know it's not like Facebook. Uh, you know, I, I I feel like with something like Facebook, it just I don't want to spend time really on their hashing out stuff and having conversation. Not so much, you know? I mean, we're providing content to Facebook for free, right? And it's like, yeah, something like this feels, feels, uh, feels more like a self-selecting community. And uh, yeah, it's cool. The other thing I do on the Patreon is have a, a monthly hang on Zoom and people can just come. Sometimes we'll show them a song or like last month we just chatted about stuff and uh it's cool like different stuff comes up every time um it's different people every time there's some some pretty faithful regulars on that but it's just cool to have a way to check in with with these people who've been supporting me and uh and just another way to stay connected that i never would have dreamed of before the pandemic yeah that theme of connection is coming up pretty regularly for us in this conversation i I was hoping to ask for a story um, before we wrap this up, and it's one that I've heard you tell on stage before, but I was hoping you would tell us about meeting Pete Seeger. Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah, um, 
my friend Andrea in New York, she lives in Cold Spring, New York. She reached out to me to say that there was this festival called the Hoot on the Hudson that Pete played at every year and uh, and that m- maybe she could get me in, you know, to play it. Um, and then she said that it's unpaid and and that, you know, you only get to sing like four or five songs and one of them has to be a Pete Seeger song and Pete might not even be there because he never lets him put his name on the bill. Um, he just, but he, so far he always comes and, you know, anyway, she was just like, down down selling it and i was already had the map out just like wow okay how can i get there yeah these were that was early days um and i had time off i was really flailing on the road in those early days like just out with you know just a smattering of tour dates and like trying to find gigs like even for like the weekend like during the week or whatever you know and uh anyway so i had the opportunity to go and do this and uh, yeah, it was great. It was a it was a tiny little thing, maybe hundred people at most there, and um, and I learned a song called "Well May the World Go" uh, of Pete's to sing, and um, yeah, and then I got to meet Pete, and uh, he 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 let me carry his guitar uh, on the way back to the car after a bunch of coaxing from me, cause he was like, "No, no, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine." He was like 89 then, I think. And uh, yeah, he, he, he let me carry his guitar and we walked uh, through the woods and stuff. And um, and he was just telling me some stories and stuff. And I was kind of making a fool of myself because I was super tongue-tied, like meeting, meeting this hero. And uh, yeah, and at one point he, he, he stopped and he was like, he like was bending down and I thought he was going to point out some like plant or something, you know? And I was like, what is it? And he picked up this juice box and he was like, it's my religion. And he put it in his pocket and, uh, and yeah. And since then I've, I've got to know Mike and Ruthie, their, uh, duo out of, uh, Hudson Valley as well. And, um, and, uh, they live around Woodstock and Mike and Ruthie always they they knew Pete well and and played with them and stuff, and uh, um, they their kids call it Pete Seeger points when you go out in the woods and if you find some garbage you get points you know for picking it up because <laughs> he was always doing that and uh, and I've totally since then I feel like oh yeah whenever I'm out it's like oh yeah look at all these points for the taking you know <laughs> and. Uh, yeah, anyway, he's a, he's a real inspiring dude. And yeah, Mike and Ruthie um have been carrying some of his songs and he's got some he wrote some great ones like toward the end of his life as well um on some environmental themes and stuff. And actually this uh when is that? I guess it'll be beginning of October. I'm going to go to Beacon, New York where Pete lived and play the town crier there and it's uh it's called sustainable hudson valley this organization they're having a climate solutions week and uh i'm going to play the finale party at that with bruce molsky and uh yeah probably tell him a pete story when i'm down there (laughs) 
Bruce is a great guy. He's played Summer Folk a bunch of times. Oh yeah, yeah. I I I love his work. I I don't know him personally, but I love his work. Uh, Scott, thanks so much for taking time after a great house show to uh, to talk to us for the radio show. Yeah. Um, thanks safe, so much for making time, John. Safe travels, and uh, if there was any song in the world that you'd you'd want us to end this this interview with, what should we hit play on? Oh. May as well play the title track of Tangle of Souls. Will do. And, uh, yeah, thanks again for joining us in Georgian Bay Roots. This is Tangle of Souls by Scott Cook. <laughs> As a kid, all I could think about was getting out and running around. Heard my teachers and my bosses making offers to tie me down. But the poets and the misfits, the lost and profound, were talking like the world's a big old tangle of souls. So I set out for the shimmering not dressed for the wind and rain unaware that any blessing worth having comes with a burden of pain and all the love and all the hurt the sacred and profane are bundled together in the bittersweet tangle of souls the way wound through towns and tenements Deserts and dirty streets. I struggled to hear a kindred heart in the chorus of concrete. But by happenstance, I chanced upon the ones I needed to meet. Such a rare thread in this vast tangle of souls. Between the field of stars. tangle of souls it's a fleeting incarnation it's a gift that you can't keep stardust with a will to live is all there is to me every atom's borrowed and every heart's a refugee just looking for home in this strange tangle of souls 
Some say this world's an accident, just a clockwork running down. Some talk like it's a tournament where the coolest gets the crown. Seems to me it's a pilgrimage in every step's hallowed ground. That was my conversation with Scott Cook and a handful of his songs. I I fanboyed a little bit. I'll admit that I'm a, I'm a big Scott Cook fan, and so I was really excited to have a chance to see him live again and to have a conversation with him. If you want to find out more about his albums, about the work that he's doing, make sure that you find him at his website, uh, scottcook.net. And do yourself a favor, buy one of his albums. They're great, and the last couple are those kind of coffee table CD style. Thanks for tuning in to a midweek podcast of Georgian Bay Roots, and I think maybe one of the longest ones that we've put out. The regular show will be back next Sunday, and if there's someone that you think that we should interview, if there's a story that you want to tell, feel free to reach out to us. You can contact us through summerfolk.org. Take care, folks, and I'll see you around.